Psalm 72. A Psalm of Solomon. And as we read this, remember that uh, Solomon was going to have a, a reign and a glory in his reign, which David was not privileged to have. David is considered the great type or the model of Jesus Christ, but so is Solomon. We remember that when uh, the Queen of Sheba came and gave praise to Solomon, our Lord Jesus Christ took that as a, a reminder to people that a greater than Solomon was in their midst in his person and presence. And so as we read about Solomon in this rich and poetic language, even in terms of poetry, there are points at which we are going beyond what could be ascribed to a mere earthly king. And so the glory, in many of the dimensions of that glory, which is here spoken concerning Solomon, could only be properly and finally true of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Psalm 72. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. In his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Those who dwell in the wilderness will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight, and he shall live. And the gold of Sheba will be given to him. Prayer also will be made for him continually, and daily he shall be praised. There will be an abundance of grain in the earth, on the top of the mountains. Its fruit shall wave like Lebanon, and those of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and Amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's pray once more.
Heavenly Father, we read here the words of a king whose crown is passing on. A prophet who understands that after him and even after his son comes one mightier than he, whose glory is greater, whose dominion is wider, whose kingdom more enduring. Lord, we pray that as we consider this morning the Queen and the King, that you would teach us, O oh God, what truth is, what real perspective is, what accurate vision is with regard to what is truly everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. On Sunday the 5th of June this year, around the 70th Jubilee of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, as part of our worship, we took notice of what was taking place in our world. And we appreciated something of what had been enjoyed by us over her 70 years of reign. This week, at the beginning of the week, the 12th of September 2022, so where are we now? We are at the 11th, so this is what was planned to be published, uh, and it's, it's come out as is. This is a, a gossip magazine, I'm not recommending that anybody reads it. There's a lot of muck and stupidity all over the front of it, but here is its headline. A historic week for the Queen, back in business. Seeing Her Majesty and other royals in action gives the nation heart. Not quite sure when they wrote that headline. Not quite sure when they pressed print on the printing press and that magazine got rolled out. Not sure when in the publisher's offices they were thinking, is it too late to recall it? Because in the space of a week, we went from a new prime minister kissing hands with Her Majesty, to the news that she was sick, to the news within hours that she was dead. And today we are anticipating her funeral a week tomorrow amidst national grief. In June, we contrasted her kingdom with the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And today we are face to face with the truths that we were talking about only a few months ago in terms of what really lasts and what really counts. When you hear the word of God proclaimed in this place, it is God's truth. It is not human opinion. It's not just a, a nice to hear or a nice to have. The things which we speak here are truth, God's truth. And the things that God says are true about me and you are things that will be proven sooner, if not later. Now, Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 tells us that we are to give honour to whom honour is due. And I do believe it is proper to honour Her Majesty the Queen in the way that she has reigned. And we sought to do that even in terms of comparisons and contrasts. And it's right to acknowledge that there has been much remarkable about her reign. The first remarkable thing is her longevity. 70 years on the throne. 
Do you remember us smiling and saying there's only one left to beat and he was a Frenchman? <laughs> well, I actually don't think you should count his reign from when it really began, so I think Her Majesty probably tipped that balance. But 70 years on the throne. I know some of us can remember that. Some of us remember the coronation. Some of us may remember that family on the street who had the television, maybe got it for that occasion. And a young woman had a crown put on her head. 70 years reigning, and the reign has now ended. Her reign was remarkable for its stability. Prime ministers and presidents have come and gone. Tyrants have raised themselves up and have been brought down. And she too has gone the way of all flesh. Her reign was remarkable for its faithfulness. This is a promise that she made in 1947. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. She made that promise to a nation and she kept it. And now death has ended her capacity to keep it any longer. It was a life of sacrifice, remarkable that even before she became queen, she was begging her father that she should be able to sign up during the Second World War so that she could wear the uniform and labour alongside others in the war effort. And some of you will remember that toward the end of her life, when she was giving some of her addresses, there's one where a picture of her father in uniform is on one side of the desk from which she speaks, and on the other is the cap that she wore when she was enlisted. She did much to help and encourage people. You only need to look at the outpouring of grief and the testimonies that have been given about that time when they met the Queen. It was a reign remarkable for its benevolence. She blessed many by her presence and her example. You hear that even in the, the testimonies of her own family. How Mama or grandmama or nanny or those various terms of endearment would fill the room, encourage and bless. But now she has nothing else to give. It was a reign remarkable for its glory. The coronation, even in black and white, was a splendid occasion. Remarkable for the jubilee, the 50th and then the 70th. Remarkable for the triumphs, VE Day, for example. Remarkable for the honours that were dispensed with knights and dukes and duchesses. It will be remarkable in part for the funeral. But all that glory has passed away. It's a reign remarkable for its dominion. But it's smaller when it ended than when it began. There have been parts of her empire that are no longer part of the empire, or perhaps not in the way that once they were. It is no longer said that the sun never sets on the British Empire. 
And in saying that, I'm not inherently celebrating the British Empire. I'm simply recognising the fact that not so long ago, when you span a globe around, most of it was somewhere between pink and red to represent the reign or the reach of the British crown. And that dominion has now ended, at least in person. It was a reign remarkable for her crown. About five pounds worth of crown. Solid gold with 44 jewels. In the front of the crown of Edward and on the scepter that she bore at the same time, two great Cullinan diamonds, both cut out of the same rock. How much is it worth? You can't calculate its worth because it's not just about the gold and the jewels, we are told. Heavy at five pounds and heavy with history also. And in a few months' time, someone else is going to have it on their head, at least for long enough to say that they are the king. And there was a declaration made on a news website earlier this week that this is the moment at which history stops. The remarkable longevity, stability, faithfulness, sacrifice, benevolence, glory, dominion and crown of Her Majesty have come to an end. And this is the moment that history stops. And that's just not true. It's not true for her. Her life has ended, but history hasn't stopped. Her life has ended. Our history hasn't ended. News keeps being reported. Others are born. Others die and come before the judge of all the earth. There are wars still being fought in Europe, Asia, Africa. There are events still taking place. They'll stop the football for a weekend and then the league will take back up again on Monday and they'll all rush to make sure that they can get all their games back in. Life will return to something of normality. It might take a week or two in this country and in other countries there'll be heads of state and dignitaries who'll come in for a few hours and then they will return and they will reign and they will rule and they will dispense their judgments and exercise their authority amongst people who either don't know and don't care or maybe do know and really don't care what's happening in this country. But history doesn't stop because it's not her story and it's not my story and it's not your story. This is God's world. And this is God's kingdom. Not in the sense that we imagine that we are some kind of favoured nation where God owes us a blessing and has particularly attached his name to us. But because all the nations of the world belong to God. Because every creature is his creature. Because every dominion is his dominion. Because he is the one who raises up kings and he is the one who brings them down. And whether we celebrate them as we have Queen Elizabeth II or whether we fear them as we have men like Hitler and Stalin, perhaps in our day Putin, they are still God's kings and queens. 
And scripture speaks of another monarch who surpasses the departed queen. Scripture speaks of a king. It says in verse 72, uh, verse, sorry, 17 of Psalm 72, that his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. And friends, they're not speaking about Charles III. They're not speaking about William V. Should William survive long enough to stop being now the Prince of Wales and become another king of whatever England or Great Britain or the Commonwealth might look like should he rise to the throne? The longevity of the king of which the scriptures speak is a forever longevity. His name endures forever. His person, his reign, his rule in all his personal qualities, characteristics, attributes and excellences. His name, everything that he is, everything that he stands for, everything that he provides, his name endures forever. And thousand-year reichs fall within years, let alone decades. And 70-year reigns end in an afternoon. But there's a king whose name endures forever. Not a reputation. What was the reputation of the king or queen ten monarchs back? What about 20? Some of them we remember. They're marked there in our history books. 1066 and all that. William the Conqueror. Yeah, we remember him. What was his reputation? Well, they're still arguing about that. <laughs> but here's a name that endures not even for centuries, not even for millennia, but for eternity. Stability. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. Now, we've just been singing about the fact that soon the sun will no longer rise and moon shall wax. Now, we know that this present world is going to pass away. But here again is that poetic language. It's the language of stability. It's the language of covenant faithfulness. Why does the sun rise? Because God has ordained that it shall. Why are we thankful for the fact that the rains have come and there's now a chill in the air? Because summer and winter and springtime and harvest proceed according to the direction of God. This is faithfulness. This is stability. This is the expectation that things shall continue as they've been accustomed to go. And his name shall endure as the sun. Continue as long as the sun. He will never be deposed. He will never slide from his throne. He is a king forever. And his faithfulness. We marvel at a promise, don't we, made by a mere mortal, a sinful creature, in 1947 that's been kept. Why do we marvel? Because it's so unusual for somebody to keep a promise for seven minutes, let alone for seven decades. To be faithful 
through good times and bad times, to be faithful in her annus horribilis, as well as when things seemed to be going well. The king of whom the scriptures speak was a king who was faithful unto death, faithful in death, faithful through death, and remains faithful after death, having risen again from the dead. The promises that the Bible's king makes are promises that never fail. His death does not end them. His death confirms them. His death establishes them. What brings an end to the faithfulness of men and women only underscores the faithfulness of the scripture's king. What if Her Majesty had said, I will never leave you or forsake you? What if Her Majesty had said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age? That would have ended on Thursday afternoon. But the king of whom we are speaking, he has said, Behold, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and I'm sending you out to make known my good news, to make disciples of every nation, to baptise them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which is what you should do if you have become a Christian, and then to be taught all the things that I have commanded you, and see, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that we can now boldly say, what can man do unto me? You could have stood alongside her majesty in all her pomp and glory. What can man do unto me? That frail little lady, even with all her bodyguards and all her armies, man can do a great deal to me. But not when I'm standing by the side of the king of whom we speak. His was a life of sacrifice. And his was a death of sacrifice. Not only was his life one of service, but in his death he was serving others also. Her majesty was robbed of her ability to serve us by her death. Our king served us in his death. He gave himself for us. His dying was not the end of his serving. His dying was the highest point of his serving. It was the greatest act of self-giving that there ever has been and ever will be. And when he rose again from the dead, he serves us still. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Benevolence. What did they speak of our Lord Jesus Christ? He went about doing good. Her Majesty could say she felt sorry for people. She could visit the sick in their hospitals. She could visit the war veterans. She could visit those who were cast down in mind. She could go amongst the poor and the distressed of her kingdom. But did she ever reach out her hand, touch the blind and make them see? 
Did she ever make her way through the hospital wards and touch the sick that they might be made well? She grieved at certain gravesides. Her heart was moved with compassion, but she could never reach out and touch the body on the bed in the grave and say, I say to you, arise. This king, men shall be blessed in him. Men shall obtain in him favours, goodnesses, delights, excellences, the likes of which no kingdom on earth can ever provide and barely imagine. He bestows life from the dead. Verse 12 of Psalm 72. He will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also and him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight. My friend, when you came under conviction of sin and feared the flames of wrath, the darkness of hell, did you cry out to Queen Elizabeth to save you? Did she deliver your soul from the pit? Did she bring up your feet from the miry clay? No, that by nature was her same destination. She was no saviour. What about her glory? It's passed away. The glory of this king is transcendent. It is divine. It is heavenly. It is never ceasing. It is everlasting. Blessed be his glorious name forever, says verse 19, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And his dominion? The whole earth. It's not a matter of spinning the globe and working out where some political advance has been made. Perhaps you've been marvelling in the last few days, you've seen it on the screen, those, those hatchings and those shadings on the border between Russia and Ukraine. And you're thinking, wow, two days ago, Zelensky was talking about 1,000 kilometres. Today he's talking about 2,000. Is he going to be speaking about 3,000 tomorrow? Is, is, is that real? Are the, the greens and the reds on this map swishing back and forth? No, no, no. We're talking about men who are bowing the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Every kingdom... Every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, even represented here this morning, men and women from so many different backgrounds, so many different countries, so many different experiences. But here there is at least something of an indication of the whole earth being filled with his glory. Why did we pray for friends in Singapore? Because the whole earth is filled with his glory and will be. Why do we pray for our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world? Why do we pray for Christians in Ukraine? Do we pray that they'll somehow rise up and overthrow the oppressor? Or do we pray that they will honour the king whom they serve? And in Australia and in the various nations in Africa, the countries of South America, and in the nations of Europe, we pray in every place, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and his crown properly speaking his crowns he wears many 
And they're not these pathetic five pound gold and jewel things. <laughs> and his neck never bends under their weight. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And when those who know him come before him, they take the crowns that he has given them. And they're not crowns of gold and jewels, according to this world. And they cast their crowns before his feet. Queen Elizabeth II was a sovereign, but she was not a saviour. The king of whom we speak is a saving sovereign and a sovereign saviour. And kings, all kings, shall fall down before him, verse 11. All nations shall serve him. Some of them shall do so unwillingly. We need to be careful because we don't always know what happens on a deathbed. But there are plenty of kings who will bow the knee to Jesus Christ not because they wish to, but because they are obliged to. For they ruled as if they were king. Queens who thought that they could do as they wished, when they wished, with whom and what they wished, who will find that Jesus of Nazareth is the king over all. Because earth's monarchs need a sovereign saviour also. One that cannot be missed, and one for whom we do not need to keep mourning. What then would be Queen Elizabeth II's greatest claim? And what would be her only hope? As she fell ill and passed into eternity a few days ago. That he is my king. It does not matter the longevity of her reign, the stability of her reign, the faithfulness of her reign with regard to the people that she served, the sacrifices she made, the benevolence she displayed, the glory that she was afforded, the dominion that she enjoyed, or the crown that she wore. If she died not trusting in Jesus the Christ to save her from her sins, then all of that will prove what it really is, dust and ashes. But if she could die saying, I go to be with my king, then those things only matter insofar as she used them to serve him. Can you say the same? Can you say now, he is my king? This is what she said. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. That was her testimony. Now, so far as it goes, it is a declaration that is true. In 2016, on her 90th birthday, she wrote the foreword, or the foreword was published, of a book. 
It was, as far as I know, the only time that she ever put her name to the foreword of a book. The book's title was The Servant Queen and the King She Serves. And in it she said this, I have been and remain very grateful to you for your prayers and to God for his steadfast love. I have indeed seen his faithfulness. I didn't know her. So I don't know personally how much weight could be attached to that. But I know people who did, in some measure, have communication with her. And if that is the testimony of her heart, then she is safe with the eternal king. We can give thanks for the reign of a queen like Elizabeth II. We should pray for the reign of Charles III. Taking into account the feebleness and the frailty of men, we are anticipating the reign of William V. But through the rise and fall of nations, one faith, one empire, one kingdom stands fast. And it's not ours. And it's not the Russia of the Tsars or of the presidents. It's not America. It's not China. It's not NATO. It's not the EU. It's nothing that has been. Babylon has fallen. Egypt has gone. The Roman Empire is dust. The Greeks are the subject of the history books. We don't know what nations will spread across the globe in years to come. But we do know a king whose name shall endure forever. Whose name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Have you been blessed in this king? If you're a citizen subject in the United Kingdom or the Commonwealth, you might say we were blessed because of the reign of her majesty. But this majesty is the one that matters. You can remember the queen who was. Do you trust the king who is and who was and who is to come? Because when the end of this world arrives, there is going to be a shout that rises up. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And every crown but his will fall in that day. Every army but the armies of the Lamb will be kneeling in that day. Every scepter will crack but his scepter. Every kingdom will shake and fall except his unshakable kingdom. And he is no mere sovereign. He is a saving sovereign. He is a sovereign saviour. 
and he will take you into his kingdom and glory if you will trust him now, coming to him as a sinful man or woman. I'd be very surprised to discover that there is secret royalty in this building this morning. (laughs) Maybe there's royal blood in your veins. What do you need? You need a saviour from your sins. You may be the lowest of the low. You may have griefs and sorrows and distresses, which we also do not know. There may be poverty, grief and pain of which we are unaware. But though you should secretly be the greatest monarch, president, prime minister ruling in this world at this time, or the most despicable and loathed of humankind at the very point of entering the grave, there is a king who saves. And such is his glory, such is his majesty, such is his goodness, such is his kindness, such his benevolence, such the stability and the excellence of his kingdom, that you will reign with him. When you die, and it may be soon, or it may be late, when you die, the only thing that will matter is whether or not he is your king. His name is Jesus. He was born of the Holy Spirit from the womb of the Virgin Mary. He lived and he died for the sake of his people. He rose again on the third day. He ascended up to the right hand of the majesty on high. There he sits, waits, until his enemies are made his footstool. He comes again, conquering and to conquer, to bring all things to an end and to make all things new and to welcome into his eternal kingdom and glory all who are his citizen subjects. Do you have him. He is a saviour for sinners. His grace, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his sweetness, his tenderness, his faithfulness are beyond all calculation. Do you have him as your monarch, as your saviour? The king who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The king of whom one day a great multitude will shout as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Amen.